share. There's a message the Lord put on my heart. I've shared it, parts of it here before. And I felt like the Lord told me yesterday to share parts of it again. It was what I had the opportunity to preach in two of the churches down there in Mexico. The one in Ariaga, Bill's church, and then in Tuxla. Uh, Brother Jonathan Garcia. It is Garcia, right? Uh, he's, he's basically Bill and Tammy's son spiritual son, so to speak. He was with Bill and Tammy for many years, and they raised him up and everything. And, and it seems like right now the Lord has launched him to a bigger church. It's a pretty good-sized church up in Tuxla. And he asked me if I'd be willing to come up and, and share. And, and the Lord gave me a message for that church. And, and I felt like as I was praying again this morning, I felt like the Lord was reminding me just to share a few uh, reminders for us. Uh, in New Covenant Fellowship. And I'm going to start with 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. And I'm more and more convinced that this is a timely message for the body of Christ right now. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. Now, this is Peter writing this book, and he's sharing this about 2,000 years ago. So things were, the end was at hand 2,000 years ago. How much closer? You know, the things that we're hearing and, and all the things that are, that are happening, uh, we realize that we are in the last days. It says, therefore, because the end of all things is at hand, therefore, number one, be serious and watchful in your prayers. You know, it's like, what do I do? You know, we're hearing about the storms, the earthquakes, the, the famines, the wars, the rumors of wars, and all this kind of stuff that, that's being predicted, that, that we're hearing the, the prophet sharing, and, and even on the news we're talking about certain catastrophic events looming. What do we do? Well, the first thing is, is we need to be very serious and watchful in our prayers. We need to pray. In other words, we need to grab a hold of God. Draw close to him. He says he'll draw close to us. And we need to say, Lord, what do I do? What am I supposed to be doing? What do you have me do? And it's not to react in fear. Because perfect love casts out fear. And we have the love of the Holy Spirit in us. So fear should not be our motivator. But love should be our motivator. And so it's like, Father, what am I to do during this time? And so the only way we're going to stay or keep fear from grabbing a hold of us is to stay close to him. Otherwise, you, you get CNN out or Foxed out or whatever, watching all this news and you seeing all this stuff happening. And you can let your heart get full of fear and then begin to react. And that's not what the Lord would want us to do. He wants us to respond in love and obedience to him. So first is we need to be serious about praying. And that's why I really uh, feel strongly about having a prayer meeting Wednesday night to come and just pray and say, Lord, how do we pray? You know, we have an election coming up. And that's a that's a big thing and, and it's a serious thing and it's a it's a a life changing event that's about to happen in this country, you know, either way, whoever becomes well, I thought that was my iPad making that noise. So I thought I turned it down. Um, but we have a serious serious event coming up. And we can say, Well, we're supposed to vote this way, or we're supposed to vote this way and, and it's amazing how the body of Christ is split. But what we need to do is we need to be praying, God, how do, we, how do we walk in your kingdom? What needs to happen? What are you wanting for your kingdom purposes to happen? That's how we need to be praying, and that's how we need to be voting. Not based on the benefits or the things I can get, less taxes, more taxes, more benefits, all that kind of stuff. That should not be our motivator. 
But God, what is, I mean, how do I vote according to your kingdom purposes? And we need to be praying in the Spirit, and we need to get the mind of the Holy Spirit, and then pray accordingly. Amen? Verse 8. So first we need to be serious and watchful in our prayers, and then it says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling, and as each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That's what I appreciated again about this team that went, is they allowed God to use the gifts that he placed in them, deposited in them, to serve, to bless, to minister, to love people. Being a missionary is very practical. You know, and a lot of you may disqualify yourselves and say, well, I don't have anything to offer. That is a lie. Okay? Flat out. It's a lie. So don't believe that lie anymore. If Jesus is in you, then you have a whole bunch to offer. And so this team that went down, they, got, they were obedient. This is they, they allowed God to. They served with the gifts that they have. And we need to do this. this is, it's interesting because last days, you know, the end is at hand. Therefore, be serious about praying and walk in fervent love for one another. So it's like, here's what we need to do. Be praying and walking in love for one another. And as we're walking in love, as I'm walking in love with you, then I'm to let the gifts that God has deposited in me spill onto you. I'm supposed to walk in the love towards you. And that's what we're supposed to be doing with each other. Amen? And what I wanted to share was some practical, it's a quick checklist. I've shared these before. But four things that I believe we need to check ourselves to make sure that we're walking in these four things so that we can walk together as a congregation in love. Now, love covers a whole bunch of practical things. But I just want to share four that we need to check ourselves on and make sure that we're moving forward in. Number one is we need to walk in forgiveness towards others. Now, I know no one has ever heard that said before that you need to forgive. But I'm telling you now, we need to walk in love. There will be plenty of opportunities to be offended. I promise you that. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, you do not have the option when it comes to forgiveness. If I'm a follower of him, it is not an option for me to forgive you. It's not an option if I say I'm a follower of him. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? So therefore, if you call me Lord, paraphrasing, then do what he says. Jesus said, by this, excuse me, here's how you'll know that you love me, if you do what I say. And I'm sure you can find it in the scriptures somewhere, if you dig real hard, somewhere he says that you need to forgive. I'm glad you caught the sarcasm. I mean, the scripture is full of forgiveness, how we need to love him, how we need to forgive one another. And also, there's a scripture that even goes so far to say that if I do not forgive you, then neither will my father in heaven forgive me. It's a pretty strong verse. So if I desire to walk in close fellowship with God, then unforgiveness can't be a part of the equation. Amen. So we need to make sure, we need to practice, we need to practice forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. And remember this, whenever you're offended, and I promise you have many opportunities for offense to come. Whenever, excuse, whenever offenses come your way, you get hit in the face with an offense, immediately the grace of God will manifest itself. 
Now, you can choose to embrace that grace, which will enable you to forgive, or you can resist the grace of God and let that root of bitterness spring up in you. And that will defile many people. So we have to forgive. We have to forgive. We have to forgive. You'll have plenty of opportunities to be upset or be offended or be disappointed in me. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. Otherwise, we will not be able to walk together in fellowship. Because as soon as I do something to hurt your feelings or whatever, and then you do not forgive me and you turn away from me, then our fellowship is broken. And that's the way it is with one another. We have to forgive. Okay, I'm not going to teach you on forgiveness because you've heard it, but I'm just reminding you. Number two, out of Matthew chapter five, verse 23, it says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So right here, Jesus is saying the priority is he's not saying don't come and present your gift to the altar. And what is a gift? It can be worship. It can be prayer. It can be financial offerings. It can be serving. Those, those various gifts, he's not saying don't come to him and bring that to him. He's saying, but if you come and then remember that, you have, that there's something going on between you and a brother, if there's, something, if there's a breakdown in relationship, first get that right. First get that worked out and then come. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's the one that's putting that priority So we have to make sure that I'm walking in forgiveness and that if there's any offense between me and somebody else, if a brother or sister is upset with me and I know about it. Now, if I don't know about it, can't do anything about it. Right. But if I know about it, then I need to do what I can to get that resolved, to get that worked out. Amen. Are you with me? Number three. Proverbs 18, 13 and Proverbs 18, 17, it says, he who answers a matter before he hears the facts, it is folly and shame to him. That's Proverbs 18, 13. I'm read it again. He who answers a matter before he hears the facts, it is folly and shame to him. And then Proverbs 18, 17, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Now, what are these verses saying practically? Practically speaking, you need to hear both sides of the story and hear all the facts before you pass judgment. How often do you hear someone comes to you and tells you something about another person? They tell you, this is what happened. This is what this person's done to me. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You're like, oh, my goodness. And typically hearing from that one person, especially if it's a person you trust, a person you have a relationship with, a person you like or whatever. You hear them tell you something about another person and you immediately believe everything they say. And it's not that they're not telling you the truth, but the fact is, is they're not telling you all the evidence. They're not telling you all the facts. And so what the Bible teaches us is it's important before I pass judgment on this person that they're talking about. I need to make sure I hear the other side. Particularly in cases of counseling, like marital counseling or whatever counseling, a person comes to you and they tell you how how bad this person has mistreated them. And if I give that person counsel based on what they're telling me, then I've given them miscounsel. I have not given them biblical counsel because before I can counsel them correctly, I need to hear the rest of the story. I need to hear the facts. 
I mean, I've shared this illustration before. How many of you, those of you who have children, uh, may be able to relate to this? Where one of your kids comes to you crying. Ah, ah, they're crying and, and you're looking, what's wrong with you? And they have a red mark on their face. And they say, my sister hit me. You're like, what? You know, and they're sitting there crying. Ah, you know, crying, big old crocodile tears, big old red mark on their face. Who hit you? And they tell you the name of the sibling that hit them. And so you immediately go off to the sibling. What are you, what is your problem? Why did you hit? And then maybe you lay into them. Maybe you ground them. Maybe whatever. Before you hear what really happened. In other words, we react before we hear all the evidence. And then if we ask this person, did you hit your sister? Yes, I did. Why did you hit your sister? Well, I was sitting here watching TV and all of a sudden I get hit on the side of my head by a baseball bat, a plastic one. She came and just hit me upside the head. Did you hit your sister with that baseball bat? Uh-huh. So didn't that paint a different picture? Slightly. The reason why I like the illustration is because that's what my little brother did to my other brother. We're sitting there watching TV, watching Smoking the Bandit. Remember that? Back in the day? I don't want the bunny trail, but it's okay. We're watching Smoking the Bandit. I'm sitting on the couch. My uh, younger brother Mikey's hitting and Scott are laying in front of the TV like that. And then Eddie, my youngest brother, who was about four, I think, at the time, had a plastic, one of those wiffle ball bats, big old plastic thing. He comes up, and I'm watching him. But I didn't realize what he's about to do. I don't know if I would have done anything anyway, but maybe I would have warned him. But I watched him. He goes up to his brother and just, bam! Just, ah! Okay. Back to our lesson. It's important to hear all the information, the facts before you pass judgment. Because if you make judgments without the information, you're going to make false judgments or wrong judgments or bad judgments. And they can do a lot of damage to relationships. I'm going to share a dream I had. as I knew the Lord gave me this message for preaching down there. And I had a dream. And I don't often have godly dreams or whatever you want to call them. Prophetic dreams or what, but I, when I woke up, I knew this was a dream and it had to do with the message. But in the dream, I was, uh, I was accused of a crime. I was accused of a crime, but I was innocent. I didn't commit the crime. Now, I was accused, and this crime definitely would send me to prison. And, and it, was, it wasn't, but the interesting thing was, is there was a kind of a court hearing, but it was here in the church, not in the civil courts where it should have been. For some reason, it was in the church and it was in the youth room. And, and so um, I heard these accusations and, you know, the, the rumors and everybody was coming because they knew I was accused of this, of this situation. And so everybody was coming. I was about, we're going to have a hearing and everything. And I'm thinking, okay, as soon as I get a chance to share and share the details and let people know what really happened, then everything's going to be cool. So I was waiting for my turn to share. But the problem was, is the opportunity didn't come. It kept getting put off. And I said, hey, am I going to share? And I said, hold on, we need to do this first. There were some proceedings they needed to do first. Like there was some entertainment that was going on. It was crazy. A girl was playing a violin and making weird jokes. And it was just goofy. Anyway, and so it's like, okay, what about now? And then it's like, no, we need to have praise and worship. So we had praise and worship. I was having a hard time praise and worshiping. But things kept going on and on and on. And there were people in the church 
that are in our church, I mean real people, that um, because of this information they were hearing, and the longer the time was going, the more people were beginning to believe this. And I remember there were two ladies in this church, and they happened to be here this morning, that as far as I know they have, a, they have respect for me, but their respect for me was, was dropping. And I remember looking at them, and they were starting to frown at me. And starting to, I could tell, I could see the contempt, contempt in their eyes that they were, they were believing this information and they were look, starting to view me a certain way. And then I woke up. And I never had the opportunity to share. And I felt like the Lord was showing me that's what's happening. People give, you know, information is being shared about different people. And people are hearing this information and they're running with it. Instead of saying, hold on a second, let me check this out and making sure this is, this is true. And the problem is, is in a church where the Bible says how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Because that unity is like the anointing, that, the anointing oil that flows off of Aaron's beard and his robe and everything. And then in verse 3 it says, there God commands his blessing, life evermore. So we know that God commands his blessing where there's unity. And so the one thing the enemy wants to do is bring disunity. So if we're listening to half-truths and parts of stories and everything and making false judgments or premature judgments towards people, what's that going to do to unity? That's going to damage it severely. And so we definitely want this to be a place where God commands his blessing. Amen? So we have to walk in forgiveness. We have to get things right with our brothers and sisters before we... Offer our gifts to God. And we have to listen to both sides before passing judgment. And then the last one, number four. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight, It says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. So a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. You know, causing strife, causing division. And then it says... Gossip separates the best of friends. So what I get from here is a one of the ways that a troublemaker can cause or plant seeds of strife is through gossip. Gossip separates the best of friends. Gossiping. And, you know, a lot of times gossiping may not be lies. It can be half truths, be partial truths, or it can be all true. But why? What business does that person have of sharing that about the other person? In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19, it says, There are six things the Lord hates, no seven that he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows strife among brothers. So according to this right here, if you look at the things that God hates and detests, or in one translation it says an abomination to God, it has hands that kill the innocent. You know, innocent babies being killed, innocent people being killed. But also in the same breath, a person who sows strife among brothers. You ever saw it like that before? In other words, gossiping is not just a cute little sin that's harmless. It causes strife, it causes destruction, it causes, it'll cause brothers and sisters to break apart, it'll destroy and damage 
unity. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. And I saw this differently. It says a person who covers a transgression seeks love. In other words, a person does something to me and I say, it's okay, I forgive you. I'm seeking love. I'm covering up that, that transgression. It's okay. Let's, let's move on. Or I can choose to repeat that matter to another person. You know what so-and-so did to me? Let me tell you what they did. Then what's going to happen? And you know this verse that we've all heard before, Proverbs 18, 21. I never saw it in this context before. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so the way I've always seen that verse is through personal confession. You know, confessing God's blessings over me versus confessing anything else. But I have the, I have the, the power to exert the power of life or death in this congregation by the words of my mouth. I can speak gossip. I can talk about Michelle. I can gossip about Tony. I can gossip, 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 and just bring destruction into this body. It's a serious thing. It's not just a cute little innocent thing. Especially according to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. So these four things, walking in forgiveness, getting things right with my brother or sister before I go to God, listening to both sides of the story, or hearing all the information, and committing to not gossiping about my brothers and sisters. If this body would make the commitment to walk in those four things right there, imagine what this church would be like. Imagine. You know, the Bible says that by this will all men know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And remember, Jesus says that we're to love each other just like he loves me. And so if I'm committed to loving you, and it's not just smiling and shaking your hand during our five-minute break on Sunday morning. But if I'm committed to really loving you, that means if I hear something, if I hear something that's negative about Tony, instead of me taking that, and sharing, ooh, this juicy gossip and tearing him down and feeling good about myself. I walk in true love with him. First of all, I stop the gossip. I encourage the person that's sharing that to stop. And maybe one effective way, if uh, let's say if Joseph came to me and was gossiping about Tony. And I, I said, well, you know what, let's pray for Tony right now. And I just grab Joseph's hands and we start praying for Tony. And then let's say if Joseph said, well, that didn't work. I'm wanting to share gossip, but that wasn't what I had in mind. And Joseph decides to go to Pastor Dale over here and say, Pastor Dale, do you realize what Tony is doing or saying or whatever? And then Pastor Dale does the same thing, says, well, you know what? Let's pray for Tony. Joseph's like, this is not working the way I want it to work. And if we are all committed to each other in love and a person comes to us like that and we all respond that same way, this person is going to either... Repent and stop gossiping, or he's going to leave. And that's what we want. A or B. Let's all stand together.
Now, by sharing this, I do not believe that we have these problems in this church. So that wasn't the motivation. Like, man, we got so much gossiping. I don't preach against that. That wasn't it at all. I had no intention of even sharing that until yesterday. I felt like the Lord said, what did I had you shared down there? I want you to share here. I feel like it's as a reminder and encouragement. Oh, that's right. I need to recommit myself to these, these standards, God's principles. And as we continue to sharpen ourselves and draw close to him and walk in love with each other in practical ways, we will continue to be more and more and more powerful for the kingdom, more effective for him. And we'll see more of his good stuff in this place. Amen. Because when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, God commands his blessing. Life forevermore. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence.